Hey troops, it's your old buddy Bucho here just dropping in before we launch to let you know that while we generally aim to make our regular Send in the Clones episodes school run friendly, basically PG rated like the Clone Wars itself is, this particular special episode is perhaps not as suitable for some of the more junior troopers out there. There's nothing too over the top, it's really just some goofy innuendo I think at most, but if you are one of the commanders out there who listens with your own cadets in the transport with you, then I'd recommend and before you let the juniors hear it, then just take a listen to this one first, just to make sure that you're good with it, just in case. I mean, I guess what I'm suggesting is maybe go for the more careful, more Obi-Wan-like approach on this one, rather than a reckless Anakin-type approach. And I do also want to say that there are potential minor spoilers for Rebels, Bloodline, The Mandalorian, and Steven Universe during this episode. So apologies to anyone who doesn't want to be spoiled on those. I think the only really significant one is the one that I accidentally dropped for The Mandalorian at one point. And I will put the timestamp for which section to skip for that in the episode notes. So if you haven't seen The Mandalorian and you want zero spoilers, check in the episode notes. I will put the timestamps for which section to skip in the episode notes. And with that, let's get ready for takeoff as we invite our fellow Clone Wars podcasters, Hope and Chris from J Guys and Jedi, to send in the clones. And let me see. Oh, the cost of the fuel. I have to use a lot of fuel. The general wear and tear on my men and equipment. A couple of them died, I think. Believe me, Kenobi, staging a rescue is not an inexpensive proposition. So you mean to tell me you were staging a rescue, not attempting to hijack a Jedi starship? You're welcome! Oh, the thanklessness! What an accusation! I am gone, I will send you my bill. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Buto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the clone army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode, Bucho and Robbie welcome Clone Wars veterans Hope and Chris from J Guys and Jedi on the Two True Freaks Podcast Network to talk podcasting, Clone Wars, fandom, and Daniel Logan. Hey, troops, it's your old buddy Bucho, Clone Wars rookie. I'm my first ever watch of the Clone Wars, and next to me on the dropship, and his third ever watch of the Clone Wars, he's the Hondo to my pick muck muck. It's your trusty pal, Robbie. How's it going, everyone? And that ain't all troops, because along with myself and Robbie on this mission are two more Clone Wars veterans, and they're not just veterans of the Clone Wars television show, they are veterans of Clone Wars podcasting, with 200 episodes over four years, covering the Clone Wars, covering Rebels, covering the films, convention reports, so much more from Jay Guys and Jedi, the classiest podcast in the galaxy, she's the Ahsoka to my Saw Gerrera, it's Hope Mullinax! To Saw <laughs> Yeah, remember when Ahsoka teaches Saw how to throw the um, the droid poppers? Yeah. So whenever I set up these things, Robbie is always the something that taught me something. I'd rather be the Ahsoka to the Stila because... Well, yeah, but you don't get to choose, Hope. That's true. <laughs> hey, I'll be Stila. She's a badass. I'll happily be Stila. But also you heard there, he's the sexy Yoda to my wet blanket window. That's Chris Honeywell. <laughs> 
we're about to talk about Jay Guys and Jedi, a podcast I only discovered, I think, about two weeks before we launched Send in the Clones when I was out there in the galaxy scouting around, trying to see if anyone else was doing anything like what Robbie and I were planning to see how others were doing it so we could make sure we were doing our thing a little bit differently. And I'm going to read something here that is from September 24, 2019. Hope and Chris are aces, and in this show, they take a fun romp through the Clone Wars. Listen, you should. I have a good feeling about this. Here's where the fun begins. That is an iTunes five-star review from me on the J Guys and Jedi's page, the New Zealand iTunes. And I don't, you guys read iTunes reviews sometimes, but I don't know if you see the New Zealand iTunes reviews, so you might never have seen that one, but that's September 24th, 2019. So I guess I'd been listening to you guys for about a week then. Please send that to me because, yeah, I don't have, we don't have access to that. And I would love to read it on the show. So, like, total side note, like, please send that to me. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. I don't think we get international iTunes reviews. It's strange how iTunes does things from the producer's side of things because I figured you would get an email anytime a review came out. And then I learned later because I just, I haven't been checking. I figure if we get an email about it, then we'll know we've got a review, but... They don't do that, apparently. And also, you have to sign into each separate iTunes store to check if you've got reviews. So, yeah, this is one of the things you learn about podcasting when you actually start trying to make one. Well, but... please read it to us again so we can be showered in reviews. Oh, Okay, here it goes. Hope and Chris are aces. And in this show, they take a fun romp through the Clone Wars. Listen, you should. I have a good feeling about this. Here's where the fun begins. And I'm no writer, unlike Hope, I'm not a writer, so it's not the best written review ever, but it is five stars, and it is on iTunes, so hopefully that did something to boost the J-Guys profile. But let's get on with introducing you two with uh, as much or as little detail as you want. Hope, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, Lord. Um, hi, I'm Hope Malinax. I am a freelance writer. Um, hi. Uh, I... I don't know what else you want me to say. Um, I write fan fiction. I have my own website called Key Girl Experience where I write reviews of stuff. Um, I've been podcasting since 2009, right, Chris? 2000? We met in 2008, but I don't think I started till some, until... It was sometime in 2009, somewhere around there. And um, I used to be a manager of a brick-and-mortar comic book store. Now I work for an online comic book store. And, yeah, so I... I like comics and nerdy things, and I've always kind of been raised around fandoms, um, and I like stuff. <laughs> I like cats. I love my cats. I have three cats. Um, one is named Zeb. He's named after Zeb from Rebels. Um, and I have Carmel and Smokes. I can talk forever about my cats. So I one of my goals in life is to be a crazy cat woman, and I'm well on my way of doing that. And you have cats and you're a woman and uh, you haven't been officially, you know, to diagnosed yet, but that's just one more you got to tick off. I know. One more and one more and I'll be hoarding. It's fine. <laughs> well, Chris, how about yourself? Where do you come from? How does Chris come to be who Chris is today? Oh, I'm, I'm Chris Honeywell. I I'm a lowly farm boy from upstate New York who found oh, I'm myself. I'm Atlanta, I should say. I love Atlanta. Everything about Atlanta. And I'm I'm like, if we want to get historical, hopes down down south of the Mason Dixon line, and I'm north of the Mason Dixon line. So she's in the sunny part, and I'm in the the snowy part right now. And uh, I I live in Rochester, New York, the land of Kodak film, 
and I ended up here because I went to film school because when I was nine years old and saw Star Wars, I said, I want to make, I want to do that. <laughs> so uh, I went to film school and at some point I decided I don't even want to be part of the film industry. And I just started sort of um, doing things myself. I was, I was, I started out doing radio. Then I did a public access show for a bunch of years and then uh start a band i was in a band for 20 years and then settled about yeah 2000 late 2007 into podcasting and uh and i love it i love i love that in this day and age if you want to make movies do a tv show have a radio show do a podcast you can just do it you don't have to go through some huge industry and stuff and uh my friend scott gardner and i from high school who we were met through Star Wars, through trading Star Wars figures. After he, he lived in Georgia and uh, we would talk to each other, we decided to start a podcast. And then, then Hope is the first person we sucked into our podcast network as another podcaster and started drawing people in. And eventually we were just like, we might as well make it. <laughs> Before into you knew it, we had a cult, a podcast. Until uh, we had like 30 people making podcasts. So uh, that's where we are today. About eight years into Two True Freaks as a as a network, and I should and say that I'm I'm from Atlanta, the land of God, Coca Cola and Outcast, and Peaches. where every street is named Peach Tree. <laughs> 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 that is not a lie. We have like like twelve streets in Atlanta, all called Peach Tree. So when you're like, oh, I'm looking for a Peach Tree, you have to be like, which one? <laughs> that is that is confusing. And did you go to theater school, Hope, or did I mis- misread that or misunderstand that? Um, I went to school. I was a theater major. Um, I actually went in as an English major, and then I realized I didn't want to write about other people's stuff. And my school at the time, I I picked what I did because it had a creative writing minor, but I had to have a major. So I went in first as an English major, and then I realized I hated that. But I did theater in high school. So then I swapped to being a theater major where I focused on stage managing and playwriting. So, yeah, and then I promptly retired from theater because as soon as I finished, because um, I actually am not a fan of the playwriting format. It's just a format I don't enjoy writing in, but I can if I need to. So one of the questions I have for you two is how much do you think your training has informed the way that you analyze and discuss Star Wars and cl- and the Clone Wars and pop culture in general. One thing I've noted is that Chris often comments on the color palettes, so he maybe has an eye for cinematography and hope. You home in a lot on character, which that's actually very similar to Robbie. He says character is more important than plot, and I've heard you say the same thing. Um, For me, when it comes to that, it's just it's something I've always done. Uh, I, it wasn't really any like formal training. I've always just connected with characters. Like when I was younger, I used to like act out scenes in my basement. I would like record episodes of like Sailor Moon or Pokemon, and I would watch the episode to a point, and then I would pause it, and then I would like act out like the next part, and like but have like myself and my own character in it. And then as I got older, um, I met my friend Megan, and we be like, and she introduced me to role playing, and role playing. It's, it's kind of like LARPing, but without the foam swords. It's more like long-form dramatic improv. So, like, right now we're doing a story, uh, a Star Wars one, and she's playing Thrawn and the Grand Inquisitor from Rebels. And I have an original character, and I'm also playing Ahsoka. 
and she has Anakin and we are playing this like time period in the new Republic and it's a complete AU thing um, because it doesn't follow a plot. And so it's just like being able to like be in those characters minds and like in creating our own stories. And it's kind of like we're acting out fan fiction, which is a lot of fun. Um, and that's like what we do, but like, I've always been like a character person. And then as I gotten older, uh, I, cause I was like, I actually used to have a show called hope of all trades, which I don't have anymore because I have to edit it myself and I hate editing. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll tell you what, hope you still have it. (laughs) It's not like it can be taken away from you. And it's kind of like night and day because I was so much younger then. And like now that I'm, uh, but anyway, let me finish my point. Like, so I I always enjoyed fandoms and like analyzing fandoms because now that I look back on it, you can be like major in fandom. Like you can take classes to study fandoms and like cultural shifts because the history of fandom is really fascinating. Like if you even just look at the history of internet uh, versus like fan fiction websites, it's a very fascinating thing about how it, the internet changes around fandoms. Like when you go from dead journal to live journal to Tumblr to now like pillow fort, like those changes. And like when censorship comes into it and when the government tries to censor fandom and making, forcing fandoms to change, like it's a very fascinating topic. Yeah. But as well, I, uh, as I've gotten older, I've started like looking and like thinking about, uh, characters more critically especially how they relate to me because i don't i don't know if this is fine to say on here but i'm open about it like i'm i'm a queer woman and so being able to like think about characters critically of like looking at star wars and going i you know there's no queer character so in my mind i make ahsoka bipan and asexual um because that's how i can associate with her and i have always connected to her because she's always been a little bit on the ace to me the ace spectrum and a little bit on the bi spectrum too, because her relationship with uh, Barris and Lux are similar but very different, and can be romantic or not romantic either way. And so, like I, it kind of shifted in me, like wanting to be the characters to me growing older and like thinking more critically about like where do I see myself in fandom? And as of right now, like in the Star Wars fandom, the only characters that represent me are either in comics or books, or it's a chicken and a pigman in Resistance, which are only are only on screen. I think the commonality that that I can pick out amongst you know if I had to tease out amongst all nerd fandom is imagination. There's something that you know each person is going to have a different way in which their imagination is sparked. I mean, mine with Star Wars was sparked by I mean, I think that was I was a big Star Trek fan before that, but I always I was catching it, you know, 10 15 years after it had been out and it looked like old tv right and stuff and that was the first time i'd seen something completely world building like that that just immersed immersed me in something that was completely real for me for the two hours that i was watching it and uh you know just the thought that that was a poss that 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 was possible from a movie because I've always been the person you sit in front of a movie, I'll eat it up almost no matter what it is. I can just drop into that mode. And this was 10 times beyond it. But I think, you know, there's there's different, you know, some some people are the 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 continuities and the and the canon aspect of it, of piecing it all together is what fires their imagination. And for Hope, it's finding aspects of the the characters in yourself or you know refl- and and imagining yourselves as characters and 
to me, it's still the, 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 the moments that get me are the immersive scenes where you're dropped into this location, this weird alien place yet. Right. You're there, you know, and there's yep. there's moments in, in Clone Wars and Rebels that are just breathtaking examples of that, you know, and that's that's usually what will catch me. I like the characters and the stories and all that, too. I mean, if I had to say what the most important aspect of any kind of filmmaking, TV or movies or whatever would be like the script is your bottom, whether you're going to stand or fall. I, I get some of that, too. I mean, one of the things that keeps me in resistance where I am right now is just the show is just so darn pretty. It's a gorgeous show. Right, yeah. They just did this like one scene of the Colossus like coming out of a gas giant and my like, gas is like just streaming off of it and the whole time I was just like, wow. I just watched that yesterday and said, wow, this is just beautiful. There's oh, been a lot of beautiful stuff in the last couple of episodes. Today. That's funny you say that. One of Robbie's favorite things, Robbie, I think is uh, when a ship comes through some sort of clouds of vapor, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's my favorite. But I haven't watched any of season two of Resistance yet, and I'm 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 dying to see it. But ugh. it's a beast. It's a different kind of beast. Um, the the short answer is it doesn't feel like a show that knows that it's ending. Does that make sense? Right. It's really been spinning its wheels, and it's just now finally kicking it into gear. And I'm just like, finally, God. <laughs> but then it's gonna be over. Only so. now at the end. Yeah. Yeah. That's frustrating. But I'm I'm still excited to see it because I I I really started to really dig into resistance uh, at the end of season one when things started to you know it's almost like the plot actually started to kick in at the end of season one so I'm really it's interested a while to see to realize that like resistance is specifically a character driven show where Clone Wars and Rebels were both mm-hmm. plot driven shows which makes it a very different kind of show. Well, let's go back a little bit to when you two decided to start. J guys and Jedi. We'll talk about your meeting because I've heard this story. I don't think I don't know if Robbie has, although you did mention it on your two hundredth episode, this meeting at DragonCon where Chris and Scott were at DragonCon doing a panel on the Clone Wars, I think specifically, or was it on animation in general? It was Clone Wars. Like, and been, like, there were a bunch of questions. Now? Sorry, you go hope. I just talked over you accidentally. Oh yeah, you're fine. I I do that all the time to people, so you can also tell me to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I no, it was a season one panel of Clone Wars because season one had just finished. I if I remember correctly, it was two thousand eight. Yes, yeah, it was right after wow. the, it was it was right before the second season started, and they were sort of teasing Hondo or not Hondo Cad Bane. Right. Yes. And, oh uh, my Cad Boo. And oh. we ended up on this panel with uh, George Kirstick, one of the writers from the show who used to work on Avatar with uh feloni okay and a writer and then a couple other just sort of fan guys like scott and i from podcasts and uh except for kirstick and one of the writers who didn't talk much everybody was just sort of like really into complaining about it and uh except for the little kids because there was except for the little kids who are awesome the little kids all had questions like what gun does this guy had and if the the clones why didn't the clones get sick from the the blue, the blue waffle virus? virus. <laughs> you know, and it was, just great so questions cute. like that. 
and it makes you feel like an expert, you know. It's just like, oh my god, this kid thinks I'm like a scientist on Star Wars. It's great, <laughs> but you know, and the, but the audience would be like, um, in episode blah blah blah, this doesn't line up with this. And, there are too and, many buttons on this ship. Yes, like, oh my god. And I just wonder how you think they're gonna, you know, deal with this inconsistency and. And Hope raises her hand and is something like, do you, you know, do you, do you think this has anything to do with this this international incident that's happening? Do you think they're watching the news and doing this? And Scott and I were just like, well, this is a great question. <laughs> yeah, the question was because at the time I had been working with the Harry Potter Alliance, which was a human humanitarian organization that used Harry Potter to promote um, different social causes, like, and they they did all sorts of things. Because and, and Harry Potter Alliance is still around. Um, and they did all sorts of things like send books to a youth village in Rwanda that survived the genocide. And they sent like planes to Haiti after the earthquake um, that decimated them um, in 2011. Um, and so like I had been working with this organization and I had actually had been working with the Rwanda thing. And so I, I had really just been studying a lot about Rwanda and the genocide to help promote this cause through, with Harry Potter and stuff and how, trying to figure out how to work this campaign and right. so when I had watched the episode Innocence of Ryloth with right. Numa and and all that, it reminded me a lot of the Rwandan genocide and, and reading about it. And that was the question that it was something along those lines of like, um, was this an influence to you writing this episode? It was, it was something like that. And then somehow after you ended up chatting after the panel was over and I guess uh, stayed in contact. I don't yes. remember. <laughs> yeah, I think I think what we did is we got your contact information, and then that time we had like a news group or something. We probably added you into the news group. Oh yeah, it was the forums. Oh my and god, the forums, the forums. with I with forgot. basically all the basics of like the our horror podcast, all the guys from there, all the people who originally Andrew Leyland over in Britain, all the people who just sort of originally joined the network, all like as listeners and eventually they were like yeah you know i'd like to make a podcast too and uh yeah, they, they... we used to have horrible forums <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I miss that forum it was very it was a, a more efficient yeah, way like of talking to people than forums. like social like, media yeah i still prefer the message board format as well i'm still part of an old school and i don't know if either of you knew about chad.com one of the uh, older sites I was on that forum since about 2006 and I'm still in contact with a lot of those people that, that that site's gone down now but we sort of migrated to another thing but I still prefer that format yeah the yeah. the site that that hosted our forum died a few years ago you know just you know went went out of existence like but, technically I'm part of like a Thrawn in a in a Grand Inquisitor discord chat but I'm just so bad with chat rooms I'm just so bad at them but I love going on every once in a while and just being like I'm gonna talk about the Grand Inquisitor for like 20 minutes with somebody because he's my grande boyfriend and Thrawn's my blue husbando <laughs> and I just want to talk to people about the glory that is Thrawn and what does Rex think about these other fellas in your life Rex will always be like my first boyfriend like now he's grunkle rex which is a nod right. to gravity falls um but i mean there there is a daddy list do you want me to like lay down the daddy list because i've been trying sure. to like okay so first and foremost uh, grunkle rex get comfortable. <laughs> I just hear Chris <laughs> get comfortable everybody there's there's grunkle rex and he was original rex and he was my first like real crush of star wars because animation is how i got into fandom and the first time i saw rex i was like oh my god he's so cute and i love him um and a lot of that is because like, i've always liked background characters too i've always because like 
like the front main characters usually almost follow almost always follow tropes so they're very boring narratively wise but like with background characters you can really experiment with different things with them because if it doesn't yeah. work they're background characters you don't have to see them again and then rex became like a main character and it was great so there's grunkle rex and then kanan when you get there is space dad um most people call him space dad uh mandalorian is the dadalorian because now he's the dad and <laughs> after that <laughs> yeah, blue has bando which is thrawn um, the Grand Inquisitor is Grande Boyfriend, and then you have Black Metal Daddy. <laughs> Black Metal Daddy is, because Anakin was That's dad, and then he becomes, goes into a toaster oven, and now he's Black Metal Daddy. That's good. <laughs> that is That's awesome. That's the daddy list. <laughs> that is a comprehensive list, and I feel like I've been watching Star Wars wrong all these years, and I'm going to have to watch it through whole new eyes now. My only Star Wars crush is Mala from the Star Wars Holiday Special. <laughs> oh man you know i mean yeah okay this is a family friendly show we'll just uh we'll leave it at that but boy well, mala wore true. that apron Sorry. like <laughs> <laughs> i haven't seen that holiday special for about a million years i think did you two actually do a show about it and maybe even a commentary about this I've, was... I've done two... the first time i had ever watched it so half the commentary is every five mi- minutes me going what is happening is this <laughs> real is it, it. Is this real? Am I really alive? Uh, I'm questioning my existence. <laughs> yeah. It's so bad. It's so bad. But it's it like, like... So endearing. Like, I watched it again recently, and I was like, this is wonderful. I, I literally I had the childhood trauma experience of, like, knowing it was coming. And, like, even as a child, <laughs> when it went, the Star Wars holiday special. And then like this, this video generated Chiron of Star Wars goes with Art Carney. And it was like, Oh no, (laughs) no, this is just like every other one. And, you know, I watched it in horror until the cartoon. And then I was just like, this is real Star Wars. And the cartoon was like four minutes of just the most incredible awesomeness and then it was followed up by, you know, Wookiee Talk and Art Carney and, you know, everybody knows the rest. <laughs> well, there's probably never been a better time to watch it because John Favreau says that he takes a lot of inspiration from it for The Mandalorian. When was the last time you watched it, Robbie? Oh, my God. It's been it's been years, but I've tried to blank it out of my memory. So Why? It's so endearing. I can't. I, I don't just know. can't. It's the... What is Sometimes it, Lumpy? You just have to have fun and enjoy the what? ride. Like, that was me last night because I saw Cats last night and I just, I laughed for like two hours and I didn't stop <laughs> smiling and it was just so much fun. Yeah, I just, I don't know. There's there's a point where, oh God, I just can't. I mean, you got B. Arthur in there. You got Lumpy. B. Arthur's amazing. Here's, uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here. This this is all where perspective comes in, Hope. You, you came in like... You you got to watch it as an adult for the first time. With, like as an adult, I can appreciate stuff that doesn't work and enjoy it on uh, like campy level or whatever. But as a kid, this came right on the heels of right on the heels of Star Wars. And yeah. I got to tell you, anything that had Star Wars on it had some visual representation of Star Wars at that time. Was like, you know, it was it was you just grabbed onto it so a tv special was something that you could see and and people were i mean it was the talk of the schoolyard (laughs) and uh yeah so 
really, Star Wars fans should really be kind of leathered up right now for disappointment. You know, we've we've gotten to experience disappointment <laughs> at every phase of Star Wars. It's almost like they have to do it just not to keep expectations too r- ridiculously high or, or something, but... <laughs> That's one way to look at it. It's also totally fine if it's not your Jimmy Jams, because not everything yeah. in Star Wars, Jimmy's your jams. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's enough of it now that you can that you can pick and choose if you want to. That's absolutely right, and I think that's the thing that's I think most important about Star Wars is that you know sometimes there's just going to be things that are going to rub you the wrong way, and you go, you know what, that's just not for me. And if you enjoy it, that's great. I'm so happy that you like. I mean, I think most of us, well, in fact, all of us were not the hugest fans of Rise of Skywalker. But you know what? If there's people that enjoy it, I who am I to say? You know, go go for it. You know, if you like it, you like it. Yeah, Robbie has taught me that. Well, that's one of the reasons that I sort of introduced the show with, you know, he's the Obi-Wan to my Anakin or whatever, as him being the the sort of senior, not just because he's the Clone Wars veteran and he's watched the show twice before, but because I have a lot higher appreciation for the prequels now than I used to. I was this cliched, stereotypical prequel sort of rejector almost, but from... Robbie slowly wore me down over a decade and a half, and then I started, you know, that from a certain point of view, I started to see that other point of view to where we watched The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones in the sort of month before we started this project, you know, because it leads into The Clone Wars, and I enjoyed both of them more than I ever had, and was positive, you know, generally positive on both of them, and I know I don't want to, I don't want to spoil episode 200 of J-Guys and Jedis, but I know that you two are both positive on attack of the clones and that is a show that is often thought of as the weakest and that i used to think of as the weakest and i don't anymore i was sort of when i was doing my ranking and i you know once the ninth movie came out all these people were doing their ranking and that's when i started to sort of realize that there were a lot of people that hated episode two and that was sort of like i remember that was george lucas's prediction a lot of people are going to um not like episode two because I have to do the necessary romance <laughs> story in it, and they're they're just not gonna like it. And <laughs> and and I was just like, oh, geez, that's some good publicity, George. But and and then when the movie came out, I'm like, well, it looks like they trimmed a lot of the. the, the, the this isn't all a romance story, like you said. As a matter of fact, it was like it had a lot of like adventure and action in it, and it started out with a bang of action yeah and uh so like i remember i had to process the first movie and be like okay what's going on here and then episode two sort of continued it and i said okay i see he's got his sort of new language for this era of the movies and two seemed to i remember sitting in two and going this is really clicking into place with this now i'm you know with the with the first movie and stuff and this is this one's moving a lot smoother and I was like, yeah, this is a, a step forward. And, and then I thought three was even another step forward. But yeah, a lot of people don't like two. I'm a big like Ray Harryhausen fan. Mm-hmm. So that whole arena scene really, really right. did it for me. The, the beginning sequence through the chase through Coruscant is one of my favorite Star Wars set pieces ever. The sound design and the atmosphere of it was just wonderful in a theater, you know? Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, I I don't understand it, but then I've got you know my rankings got some scandals in there. I think for you know <laughs> my yeah. ranking has more scandals. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I loved them, right? That's one of the reasons I loved that episode two hundred. 
And that's one of the things that kind of blew me away, though, is that I hope you're like I was sitting there going, how can you have that movie so high? And then I listened to your explanation and I'm like, that makes sense. Like, I don't know which movie you're talking about. Well, I mean, there was, was it the number one movie or the number two. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I don't want to spoil which it. movies talking about. There's Is it just Phantom Menace? no, I, I don't want to go into which one because that, I, like I, I do, said, because I have no idea what the heck you're talking <laughs> okay, about. Hope, hope, I can say it in code that hope will understand the one that the one that everybody else is ranking where that's killing you. Right. Oh, Clone Wars. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I now, can see, spoil my own spoilers. Show? Spoil our own podcast. But here's the thing, though. What I liked about the way that you explained it was it made me really get into your point of view on it and why it was so important to you. And it made me go, maybe my Clone Wars should be higher on my list. You know what I mean? It's because you know what I mean? It's it's but that's I think that's the beautiful thing about discourse, right? It was her in. Well, right. And that's completely, I mean, I totally get it. I mean, Empire's my number one. Why? It's the first thing that I remember in my life. I mean, I feel like I came online watching Empire. Wow. You know what I mean? Because I was, I was four years old. Wow. And it's, the, it's literally my first real memory. And so for me, Star Wars is, you know, what I am, right? Like my whole life has been Star Wars and Yoda's my guy, you know? Yoda's always been my entry to the Force, right? Obi-Wan came later. Like Obi-Wan's become my favorite character over time, but that's... That's come later from the Clone Wars, from Episode One. Of course, I have kind of a man crush on Ewan McGregor. So I mean, who doesn't? <clears throat> I mean, right, right. But for me, that's why like the Last Jedi spoke to me as much as it did is because of Yoda, right? Hamill brought out that exact thing that always spoke to me when I was young was that you know you, it's it's when you have when you're peace, it's it's when you're passive, it's the you know Jedi's aren't about being superheroes which is what I loved. And so when, you know, you find out that he's just sitting on a rock back on Octu, oh my God. I mean, it was like, wow. The scene with Yoda in Last Jedi, I'm never going to be able to watch that without like shedding tears. First of all, I, I, I stood up in the, th- I stood up in like a crouch <laughs> <laughs> so it's not to disturb anyone. But I got up out of my seat and grab poor Scott McGregor, who was sitting next to me, and I'm like, as soon as I saw the back of that that bumpy head, I was just like, "They're gonna do it, dude! They're doing! <laughs> it's a puppet! It's a puppet! They're gonna do it!" And I was it's like, so in that fan frenzy of like, "They're gonna put Yoda in there, and he's a puppet." That was making me so happy. But then Yoda actually had something. It was like some of the most meaningful Yoda. Uh, you know, I mean you know it's subjective but to me that that was some of the best yoda material i've ever seen and it was just the perfect amount at the perfect time and i you know just tears down my face i was so happy that not only did yoda come back but he's whacking him on the nose you know it was yeah (laughs) and it was built off episode three as well because one of the final things yoda says in that movie is failed we have and the next time we see him in film, if not counting Clone Wars, but next time we see him in field is him looking at Luke and going, failure's the best teacher. Yeah, yeah. It's great stuff. It's great stuff. But that's that thing, though. I mean, I don't know what the actual percentage is, but there's a lot of people that don't even connect with The Last Jedi at all. Nope. And they think it's worthless. So it's kind of like everybody's got their thing, you know, and everybody brings their own viewpoint on what Star Wars is to them. 
And it's actually, I mean, honestly, Hope, you're, I mean, you're the first person that made me look at the Clone Wars movie in that way, <laughs> which is a great thing. And I think it's, it's one of those things where it's kind of like now I feel like I have to re... It's almost like, you know, you see things through a different lens, and I think that's awesome, you know? And, like, to, like... I mean, I'm, a, I'm not going to parse words. Like, it's not the most well-made movie. The entire third act is just... It feels it feels like three episodes of Clone Wars. Right. The whole third act with Padme and Zero is just rough. It's rough. <laughs> like, if the movie was just the first hour and yeah. then have the last bit, it'd be awesome. But it's just how we connect with it. And I think that... If we had been ranking them based on like well made ness, <laughs> yeah. If that's how we're ranking it, then no, I wouldn't be putting it very high on my list. But I I have an Ahsoka tattoo for a reason. I mean, I I keep her close to my heart for a reason, and it's because I had because I I had watched Star Wars when I was younger. My mom had showed it to me. My mom was a good Trekkie slash nerd slash Star Wars nerd. <laughs> And so I, I had watched them, but I ne- never connected with them. And I think a lot of it, maybe it's just something like with me, it's just that Leia was so cool that she was so much cooler than me. And I could never aspire to that. And then Padme was the same thing. Like Padme was a 14 year old girl who said, not today, jerks, you're not invading my planet. And she takes up a blaster and she fights for her own planet. One of the reasons why I love Phantom Menace, because Padme is just amazing in that movie. But I wasn't that person. Like, I was not brave, and I didn't see myself as cool as her. And they've always succeeded, and they are, like, these women who are always succeeding, and I was not succeeding. I felt like I, myself, was a failure. And then I was in school, and I was in college, and I was failing, and I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I was switching majors. Like, this was – because it came out my my late freshman, sophomore year is when it came out, I think. Um, And I already had swapped majors twice and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I felt like a failure in college that I was wasting my time. And then I go to a movie theater and I watch this Padawan who fails like half the movie. And I was just like, man, I get that. Like, I understand this character because she's getting chewed out by Anakin. She almost kills her master in the opening act. (laughs) And she fails. And... I I just I got that and I never had gotten that before in, in Star Wars because no one ever fails until Clone Wars. And that's the first time really we see failure in the movies as a whole. Unless, well, I guess Empire after, Strikes Back. I guess I was about to say like Anakin technically fails, but Vader wins. So <laughs> Palpatine yeah. wins. So it's not a failure for Palpatine. Papa Palps gets it done. But like I, I never seen that before. Um, with a main character just fail, and I found that really inspiring. And I was like, I get this. And then as I continued watching the show, like seeing how Ahsoka took this entire journey, um, from beginning to end, and and still apparently going, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is I never expected. But to see her just like have episodes where she kills her men. And her men get killed because of her decisions and her having to live with it. Or seeing her in the Geonosis arc where she clearly has PTSD at age 14, where she looks at Barris and goes, I don't know what to do with silence. Everything is so loud when it's quiet. And I'm like, yeah, that's PTSD. And like she actually, I, me and Chris have talked about this a little bit more recently more because me just as I've been getting older, becoming more savvy with things um, than I was when we first started the podcast. But, like, mental health has been something that me and Chris have been talking about 
mostly because I keep bringing it up in Star Wars. Right, And, like, right. Ahsoka is a really, really great character about, like, children soldiers at wartime. Because she clearly has PTSD. She doesn't know what to do with it. And at the end of the day, she still picks herself up and goes, even when she's hurting and she's mentally hurting and physically hurting, she still picks herself up and goes. And I think that's a really important message because, like, when you deal with mental health, you're never going to be cured. You just have to keep going. And they actually just recently did that very in, in Steven Universe, which is another show that I love, where they did that with the pearls. And one of the pearls looked at the other pearl and she goes, well, how did you stop hurting? And Pearl goes, I didn't. You just and I see so much of that in Ahsoka where she never stops hurting and she never overcomes these mental traumas that she goes through, but it doesn't stop her from moving forward. And I think that's something that she definitely you, you'll see in Rebels, like she imparts that like on Kanan and Ezra. And I think we're going to keep seeing that. And I think she's one of the most the biggest characters with very important messages to people that it's okay to have mental illness. It's okay to have these traumas and to go. Cause we didn't see that with Leia. Leia lost her entire world and we never see her grieve. Yeah. Like Leia, yeah. like we never got that one with Padme. Like we don't see that, but Ahsoka is just like, no, I, it's okay. <laughs> I can be sick mm-hmm. and be fine. And, th- and this is a kid show by the way. Yeah. I, oh my and, gosh. Well, I think, I think with clone wars when, and, and you know, when George Lucas started Clone Wars, I'll bet you there, he thought about it and was like, okay, we've done three movies on, you know, this clone army and building up to the Clone Wars to Darth Vader. And uh, we can do a whole series on it to expound on the Clone Wars because people want to see it. But he probably thought to himself, now, how do you know, since this is going to be an ongoing series and the good guys are going to be the guys in the in the, you know, proto stormtrooper outfits how do I make this into something that isn't like a glorification of war? Right. You know, right. And, and how do I do, and how do I do that without making it saving private Ryan? Cause it's going to be 13 year olds watching it. And I think he thought I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to humanize the clones. I'm going to have to show the effects of war and, and use, and nobody, there's nobody, not even Yoda escapes the psychic I mean, consequences of war. And just talking about the clones, I mean, look at Rex's journey. Like, Umbara wrecks him. Like, absolutely wrecks him. And, like, if you if you watch all of Fives' episodes in chronological order, where he starts off as a shiny and then goes to the end, which I won't say because you guys haven't seen it yet, um, it's it's a journey. He's not the same character. And I that's one of the reasons why Fives is one of... I love Rex, but Fives is actually my favorite clone. Because he has such a complete journey and it's it's amazing to see that journey but like that's one of the best things about clone wars is humanizing the clones because then when you go back and you watch order 66 in episode three it's it's heart-wrenching because i'm just like commander fly yeah. like you hey Kara saved your life in the larman episode what you doing and then you see the wolf pack like shooting down plo Koon, and i was like but the malevolence arc like he said that you guys were worthy and worth of life and oh god <laughs> It, it, it doesn't so it doesn't back down or or sort of look away like a lot of shows would do to a lot of the moral and ethical problems that were introduced in the movies where people are like, why are the Jedi using, you know, yeah. an army of cannon fodder human beings? And that doesn't go away in the series. They don't they don't slough it off or just sort of write it off. They don't pinpoint focus onto it all the time. But every once in a while they do. And every once in a while they they keep everything in shades of gray and that's i think that's why it lasted so long and why it's getting come back 
it's coming back. I just noticed I also do a lot of eBay and collecting garage sale stuff and finding Star Wars toys and stuff. And uh, Clone Wars toys are starting to go up in value, as I've been predicting, as the people who are who came in and Clone Wars are all turning to the age where they have jobs where they can be like, I'm going to buy my toys from. Right. But like some of the Clone Wars toys are going for like two hundred, three hundred dollars and stuff out of nowhere. Nobody wanted them a year ago. I mean, and, a lot uh, of that so much is Disney Plus, too. I mean, like, so many people mm-hmm. can actually watch Clone Wars for the first time. I've turned on a couple people when they started watching The Mandalorian, and they were like, I'm kind of, well, one guy was like, I'm kind of confused. You know, he's just a normal movie watcher sort of guy. He likes Star Wars, but he doesn't really know where it all fits together. And after The Mandalorian, he made me send him, like, the timeline of the order of everything that he could watch. And he's like, well, what's this Clone Wars show? And I'm like, well, you're strap in i think you'd like it and like he's like i'll watch an episode of it and and i've been getting progress reports out of him as he watches like five episodes a day and he's like you know what this is really good that was me yeah that was me as well telling people that for the last decade but yeah i'll take it (laughs) i have a question for our host so like how are it's robbie you're watching it for the first time no bucho bucho you're watching it for the first time yeah how is it affecting like your viewing of like star wars as a whole I'm wondering what it's going to be like going back and watching the prequels in particular, having watched The Clone Wars, because I haven't watched Revenge of the Sith since I started watching the show, and I watched Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones before I started watching this show, so The Rise of Skywalker is the only movie I've watched since I've been watching The Clone Wars, and, and so it had it did affect the way I was watching The Mandalorian. I was so relieved, almost, that when I started watching The Mandalorian, I had been on this Clone Wars journey, and obviously I haven't gone all the way through it, and this Dark Saber obviously has woven through it, and funnily enough, we just watched that episode recently with Maul meeting Previsla, and, you know, the Dark Saber's, you know, front and center in that a little bit, but it brought so much more to my experience of watching The Mandalorian than I would have had otherwise. Yeah, and what happened for me was, you know, I've been a an OT purist, you know, for the longest time. And over time, you know, with the Plinket review and things like that, you know, you start of you you start to hear all of this negative stuff about the prequels. And then for me, I started to really kind of go back to them and go, you know what? And and it's kind of a change in my own way of thinking. Was and Bucho, I know you've heard this like a thousand times. You go, Robbie. So many of my problems with the prequels was I kept thinking, well, it should have done this and it could have done this, but what you kind of have to do at a certain point is you start to realize that it's impossible to judge something against something it can never be. So for me, the prequels started to, I started to open up to the prequels. And then of course I started watching the Clone Wars and for the Clone Wars, it was so weird because especially the the second time I watched it through, I did sort of the same thing that Bucho's doing. I watched episode one, then episode two, then I watched the chronological Clone Wars. And then I watched episode three and I'm like, wow, this is really, I love the way that it, it kind of informs everything and it kind of, things start to really come together. Then, out of nowhere, I started watching Return of the Jedi. And with Jedi, I've seen that, God, a thousand, I don't know how many times. I've seen it a million times since I was a kid, right? So, you know how you, you know, when you watch a movie that you've seen a, a, a lot of times, a lot of times you disconnect from it. But I found myself connecting to scenes that I'd never really thought about connecting to. And then when you get to Vader at the end and the whole no thing that they've added, it's weird. 
what happened to me is I heard, I saw him say no, and he, he kind of looks down a minute, and at that mo- moment in my head, I had flashes of Anakin saving Ahsoka many times, doing all this thing, and it was almost like I could be a hero again. And it was just, for some reason, I'm sitting there watching a movie I'd watched a million times, and I'm bawling. And I'm like, holy crap. Clone Wars just, I mean, it was weird. It was like I got all of those moments in the split second, and then you see him look over, and he picks him up, and it's like, oh my god. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. And it was it was, uh, it was one of those things. I'm almost tearing up right now just thinking about it. You, you guys have done the Saul Guerrero arc, right? Yeah. Yes. Now go watch Rogue One. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sure. Now go watch Rogue One. It's... And then watch it again after Rebels when you like hear <sighs> Harry's name and see Chopper it's... and you see the ghost. <laughs> I was just going to fu- say that's the... Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say that that's to me, that's the beautiful thing about all of this kind of... W- what a lot of people look at it as like supplementary type material. People get mad about saying about, you know, well, I shouldn't have to read a book to enjoy a movie. The way that I was really enjoying the way that Disney was doing things up until Rise of Skywalker was the fact that you didn't have to read the books, but if you decided to, everything worked together. Like Bloodline is one of my favorite books. I can't wait to read Bloodline. I want to read it. I have it queued up. It's one of those that for me it really informed a lot of episode seven. And then it made me think about things that I'd never thought about before, which was, you know, if Vader had survived, how could he atone for what he did? How could the galaxy accept him for what he did? And then thinking about the idea that throughout the galaxy, they think of Luke as this legend because they don't know that Vader did what he did. All they know is that Luke came out of it, Vader was destroyed, and the Emperor was destroyed, and the Empire Empire fell apart. So they looked at Luke as this shining beacon of, oh my gosh. And And then the news comes out that, oh my God, Vader was the father of Leia and Luke. How does Leia deal with that? And it's just, it's great. And it's one of those things that it informs a lot of different things, and it makes it made me think about a lot of different things that I never thought about before. Have so, because um, that's Claudia Gray, isn't it? Oh gosh, I believe so. Yes. Have you read Lost Stars? Yes. Oh. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. I just finished Lost Stars. I was about to say, if you haven't read Lost Stars, you need, everyone needs to read Lost Stars. Chris, you need to read Lost Stars, and I know you don't even like Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one of the. That was me with both Thrawn and Queen Shadow because when I read 2015's Thrawn, it completely changed so much of my viewing of Rebels. Yep, yep. Um, like, there's a character in, in Rebels, and I won't go into too much because I know you haven't seen it yet, but, like, there's a character named Ryder Azadi who's a good guy, but in Thrawn, in the Thrawn novel, he's a politician, and he actually sets one of the villains on their course of villainy. And it completely changed but uh, the character for me. But to, to use something that's not more spoilery, like that was Queen Shadow for me. Because Queen Shadow is really the first time you have Padme without Anakin. And it's just Padme. And it's just a character study of Padme. <laughs> and it's so beautiful and feminine. And like her and Sabe, like that's, I talked about it in my my 200th episode when, of like when I was discussing like the Phantom Menace, like right. being able to like read Queen Shadow and then like watch that and see Sabe and like understand like 
what the dress is, what the makeup is, what the hair is. And like to see Sabe being able to like interchange out with Padme and know that system and know that friendship and knowing that like each of her handmaids are actually like pretty much ninjas. <laughs> like they could all just like destroy if they really needed to completely changed my view of the Phantom Menace. I mean, I do get some of the criticisms because, like, my best friend Megan doesn't, like, really dive too much into the extra stuff. She dro- she dove into Thrawn hard because she's a huge Sherlockian, and Thrawn's a very Sherlockian character, complete mm. with his Watsons, his multiple right. Watsons. So, like, she really dove into the Thrawn books, but she hasn't really dove into the other stuff. And I, I do get some of those because, like, I feel a lot that way about the sequel trilogy is that they don't really do a good job explaining where the first order came from which so i like i because i felt that way i was really confused when i uh re- like watched the the force awakens and so I, I did get a little bit of like they should at least do a little better job in the movie to explain it so you shouldn't have to read the book it should be that like they explain the basis and then if you want a deep dive you can but they didn't even explain the basis right and so it's, it's almost like you have to deep dive to really get the story so i do get some of that yeah this might be a good spot to um how long can you guys? Uh, how long can you hope? How long can you and Chris go today? I mean, I can go a little bit longer. At some point, I need to go yeah, shopping. Yeah, I'm. I'm good for how another I'm, half I'm, hour. I'm, I'm still on vacation from work, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I was just going to suggest we take a like a say, should we say a ten minute break or oh, five minute, minute break? break? Okay. Because I'm, I'm just going to go. My wife's just about to go to work, so I'm just going to go see her off, and uh, I'll be we'll right give back. Give her a smooch. Yeah, we'll do. So, should we say 10 minutes? Sounds good to me. All right. Already. See you in 10 minutes. Okay, yeah, they're back. They're back. See, look at this. This cool, guy's cool, smart cool. putting the blanket on the door. That's smart. <laughs> be cool, be cool, be cool. They're back. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> who, who, do, who does the editing for the show? Bucha does. Yeah, okay. So, so since you're doing the editing, just want to warn you. In the dead spot where we all where we're all talking here, there's there's uh, resistance spoilers happening. Okay. Some minor like, resistance, we didn't, like, drop minor resistance spoilers. spoilers in the all dead spot. All I said space. is I like what they're doing with Kaz's character this season. All I said. That's okay. That's all good. Well, I had I had so many things from Rise of Skywalker uh, spoiled for me. I watched it at Thursday at like nine p.m. and I still had multiple things spoiled for me uh, on Twitter and. News articles that had spoilers in them. I mean, just stuff like that. So the headlines. Yeah. No, I hate that. I hate it. J.J. Abrams spoiled Ahsoka for me. Yes, me too. That's one of the big ones. J.J. Abrams himself spoiled her in a. It it, it was just like, and then I, then, then I was on another popular podcaster's Facebook page talking about about something else. And I got it confused with a conversation I was having about J.J. Abrams spoiling Ahsoka. And I inadvertently spoiled Ahsoka for his humongous list of people and like pissed him off. And I'm like, oh, man, (laughs) I'm so sorry. I'm like, I'm taking down. I'm taking it down. He's like, I already took it down. Thank you. He's like, you've just spoiled this wonderful moment that I could have had in the theater. And and all these other people are like me, too. And I'm like, ah, do you want to say who it was, Chris? It was uh, Zaki Hassan, and he has, uh, I think it's called the Movie Film Podcast. I think most people know him. He does movie reviews for uh, Huffington Post, and he's a lucky bastard because he's always getting to interview all the celebrity. You know, he, he I, I think that he's interviewing like Adam Driver and stuff like that. Lucky, 
it's, yeah. it's all fun and games until Marvel calls you. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about that, Chris? The time Marvel called me? No. Was this from your comic store job? Comic book store job? No, um, not like that. It was the scariest phone call. The, the, first, the first words out of my mouth was, do I need a lawyer? It was that bad. Because my friend uh, was an extra on Captain America Winter Soldier. And he was in the scene of Peggy Carter's funeral. Uh, and they actually had given out props of, and I, I still have it somewhere, of uh, like the like little brochure of Peggy Carter, like Peggy Carter's life. And like they were in the pews and stuff like that. So he just pocketed mm-hmm. one, took it home, and he gave it to me. I was oh. so excited that I didn't think about it that oh. I just put it up on Tumblr. Oh. And, then, and then about five minutes later, when I saw that it had over a thousand reblogs in five minutes, Helicopters, I quickly took it down. Choppers and, coming in over your yard. Oh my god. And the thing is, is that it hadn't been announced yet that Peggy Carter had died in the movie. It was not announced. And then I started seeing like my blog showing up on news articles. And I was just like, oh, God. And I, it was only online for five minutes before I deleted it. The next day, my phone rings. And it was a number I didn't recognize. And I was just like, oh, okay. So I just checked it to see if it was, like, what it was. And I was like, hi, this is so-and-so from Marvel. Is this Miss Molinax? And I was like, do I need a lawyer? <laughs> it was the really scary. Like, he was so nice and passive-aggressive. He was just like, <laughs> and I explained the situation. But I never named my friend because I did not want my friend to get in trouble. And he, and he was very nice about it. He was just like, yeah, you only just spoiled the movie for a bunch of people. It's fine. Like, you're just, you know, I was like, I was just so excited that I got this thing. And I'm so sorry about it. He's like, you're fine. You just spoiled the movie for millions of people. It's okay. And so wow. I then turned around and I just, every time I saw someone reporting about it, I sent, I emailed it to the guy for like a week. But that was the scariest phone. Because I have no idea how I even got my phone number. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. I I, I don't put my phone number wow. out online. I don't. Somehow Marvel found my phone number and they just me. need your name, Hope. They just need your name. I listen, Hope. I could get. I could find somebody's phone number from there <laughs> if I had wow. to. You know. I, I mean, anybody, anybody, anybody <laughs> could with a with fifty bucks on the dark web or whatever. You know, you can just go put a name in and get all their information or whatever. Sure. Sure. Marvel's lawyers have the resources. <laughs> is this why you have more names than a gangster rapper, Chris? That is exactly why. That's pretty, that's pretty smart. That's exactly right. There's never been a piece of social media with my real name on it in the existence of the internet. You are onto it. I'm an early adopter. Like I'm self-promoting myself, but here's my name, everybody. No, I am the anti-celebrity. I avoid people knowing who I am. <laughs> <laughs> and it's worked great for me so far, so <laughs> I don't know, I'd necessarily recommend it. But... Well, you'll always be the sexy Yoda to me, Chris. Ah, <laughs> I've been keeping, I've been just holding him down in a bag. He's been trying to get out this whole show, but we don't let him out for the family-friendly shows. He's just like, <laughs> every once in a while, you're going to hear a little... Nope. No cl- there's no classiness on sending the clones. We leave the classiness no, for you guys. I'm about to hit him with a rag full of ether here pretty soon. <laughs> no, just don't do to that 
Yoda what the uh, those bikers were doing to Baby Yoda on this show. Today. Oh my <laughs> god, I love that scene. Not because of they're hitting Baby Yoda, because it was one of the best pieces of character and world building I've ever seen in Star Wars. It was so good. Yep, that was. Uh, you watched that scene, and even if you didn't know that Taika Waititi directed that episode, you could watch that scene and go, "This looks like a Taika Waititi type of scene." So that's what that's what I thought, and I'm super biased, obviously, because he's you know my countryman, and we're being a tiny little country. We're always super proud of our countrymen doing well, but to me, that scene is as Taika as it gets how many times do people ask you about lord of the rings and the hobbits oh yeah that's always the first go-to yeah middle earth over here in middle (laughs) earth you know yeah here's what i want to pick up at and i don't know this might even end up cut out as well depending how it goes but one thing i know is that as well as hope and robbie having in common that they consider character being more important than plot you've also both met daniel logan at conventions <laughs> and hope i think your story is a little bit different than robbie's robbie do you want to start with your meeting of uh daniel logan yeah he wasn't in the i can't remember which one it was it was years and years ago it was probably late like 2000 like eight, 2008 2009 yeah it had to have been because uh i also met dave filoni at that one which was that was pretty awesome uh, um <laughs> but and Lucky. and here's the weird thing we were just he was just walking on the floor back then it was probably around the season two era and we sat in a panel with with him and i think it was james arnold taylor and ashley Eckstein, and they were literally like 10 feet away you're killing and help here it, there was <laughs> nobody there was nobody there like barely anybody was in there but me and a friend of mine he was really into the clone wars and i was kind of like yeah it's pretty good at the time and it just, it kills me that I didn't ask more questions. It didn't, it kills me that, you know, we were just walking the floor and Dave Filoni, you know, we were walking in a certain way and he was kind of walking past us. And I just went, Hey, Dave, I really appreciate the work that you're doing on Clone Wars. And he, and he just turned and he was like, thanks, man. I, we really appreciate that. I mean, it's something that we really work hard on. Completely cool. No, you know what I mean? It was really cool. But anyway, the Daniel Logan thing, he was kind of off by himself there was a couple of voice actors and things like that. And uh, we walked up and just started talking with him. And he was so excited to talk Star Wars. And he just, he kind of exuded that, almost like the Sam Witwer things that you keep seeing the pop up from time to time where he's just like, if somebody wants to talk lore, he's like all into it. And he just loves it. That's how Daniel Logo, Logan was. And, and I was just, I was just like, I'm rooting for this kid. I'm in on whatever he does. I'm kind of hoping he gets something to do in Mandalorian season two, but we don't know and no, nobody knows, but I love the guy. And he was just, he was probably what, 22, 21, you know, at the time, but he just, there was a love there that I just, I really dig that about certain actors. You can see when they're, when they're phoning it in and when they really love what they do and he loves what he does. And I hope you also met him at a con. Is that right? Actually, it starts a little bit sooner than that. So I was at a convention. It was the first year that they had launched Her Universe, and which is Her Universe is Ashley Eckstein's uh, fashion line that she right. started. Ashley, Ashley Eckstein's the voice of Ahsoka. And so I was walking around Dragon Con, and I knew I was going to be on a Clone Wars panel. And so I was like, well, I don't really have a Star Wars shirt. I kind of want one. And I walk by this little booth, and it says Her Universe. And I see an Ahsoka shirt. And I was like, oh, that looks great. So I go over, and I still have the shirt to this day. Um, so I go over and I was just like, I'd like to buy the shirt. And I was like, but is there a place I can try it on? And a woman comes up to me. And she was like, yeah, like you can try it on over here in this little booth. 
I was like, okay. So I put on the shirt and it's a little bit too tight on me. And so I'm struggling to get it off. And so the woman comes over and she helps me like pull the shirt over my head and she hands me a new shirt. And I was, and I was like, thanks. Like, you know, I'm gonna, and so I put on the one I have now and I still have it. And I was like, oh, this fits great. And so I started talking to the woman and I was like, yeah, I'm going to be on a Clone Wars panel tomorrow. And she goes, oh, I'm going to be on that panel too. And I was like, oh, really? What podcast are you with? And she goes, oh, no, I'm Ashley. I'm the voice of Ahsoka. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. great. You just saw me in my bra. Thanks. <laughs> that's great. See you tomorrow. <laughs> so the next day I see Ashley again. She's like, your shirt looks great. And I was like, thanks. And I like, I wish, because at the time, like, I really wasn't like, like super deep in the fandom now. I'm like, now I'm just like, hope 10 years ago. Why didn't you do more? <laughs> why? Yeah, and Daniel right. Logan was on the panel too. And he was kind of drunk. Um, and so I was like, it was kind of a whirlwind because he was sitting beside me and our, was it Michael Bailey that was in the room with us? I believe it was. Yes. It was Michael Bailey, our friend, Michael Bailey and my friend Kate, um, was in, cause my, my friend Kate is wonderful and I love her to death. I actually just saw her last night. We saw cats together with her and Billy and like my, my friend Kate like always comes to my panels. Like even if she doesn't even know the topic, like she'll come to my panels. And so like, uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, he was drunk. <laughs> he was <kinda laughs> drunk, which was funny because it was, like, 11 in the morning. And he was just kind of, like, putting his arm around me and hitting on me and, like, leaning on me. But, like, I was, like, 18 at the time or 19, maybe 20. And so I, I wasn't really kind of, like, comprehending it a lot. And I wasn't really comprehending that I was on a panel with a bunch of other voice actors at the time. I was just like, yeah, this, you know, these are my fan thoughts and stuff like that. And it's kind of like these things. And it was in actually one of the smallest rooms at Dragon Con which is like so surreal now, like 10 years later is that it would right. pack out our room. Now that was the, the, the one that we did for dragon con where we met you remember it was like in the basement of yeah. this, this one subsection. Yep. But anyway, like afterwards, not so anymore. I, yeah. So I like, they talk about the show and I give some of my fan thoughts and like the panel is over and like Kate comes over and she was just like, Daniel Logan was hitting on you. And I was like, no, Ah, he wasn't. He was just being friendly. And then Michael Bailey comes over and he's just like, Hope, oh my God, Daniel Logan was hitting on you. And I was like, Really? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so I was wasn't like, even there and I know he was hitting on you, Hope. I was just <laughs> like, Hope, I'm disappointed you didn't take one for the team. You know, Scott and I went, we were willing, nobody threw themselves at us. And, and you go there and, and you got Ashley Epstein looking at you in your bra and you got, you know, come on, yeah. you got Boba Fett. I just, I didn't really think about it at the time. And I think at the time, yeah, I just, I didn't really think about it. And just because like when you're on a panel, you're not really thinking about those things. Sure. And then afterwards you sure. look back on it and you're just like, huh. I used to, I used to, I used to work rock and roll catering, like at a, at a big uh, concert venue. So we would cater all the bands that showed up there. And the one thing I learned about people who are like celebrity on some level of celebrity is they don't want to talk to the people who want to talk to them. They want to talk to the people who don't really care who they are or don't know who they are or whatever. So if you're able to do studied indifference or or just you just honestly don't care who the people are or don't know who they are, right? They'll love you, you know, because you're gonna interact with them as a just a regular human being. So I think that right. was your appeal. Plus your 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 wonderful personality. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know. Come on, you're running around the con in your bra, and I was in like a like a little booth. I was not running around my bra. I was not doing like a Daenerys Targaryen cosplay. I'm 
No, Yoda. <laughs> well, speaking of people who like a drink, here's another thing I want to know. Where does Hondo rank among the great pirates of pop culture for you guys? Oh, I love Hondo. I, I love Hondo. I'm I'm actually like so excited that next month I'm gonna get the chance to go to Galaxy's Edge, oh. and I just I can't wait to see Hondo <laughs> at Galaxy's. She's gonna Edge. be climbing up on that Hondo animatronic. I love you. <laughs> like I I love it. I actually just recently listened to the audiobook for Pirates Price, which is a young adult Star Wars book. And it's so wonderful because the audiobook is actually read by Jim Cummings, and it just sounds like Hondo <laughs> is just telling you a story. He is awesome, isn't he? Yeah, like I, it's yeah, it's a kids' book, but it's so great because, um, like the opening chapter is like kind of like the setup, and it's told in third person, but the rest of the book is told in first person, and like Hondo does his own sound effects. <laughs> that is awesome. I gotta hear this. I know. I'm I'm looking this up right now. I gotta. It's called Pirate's Price, but definitely get the audiobook because it's read by Jim Cummings, and it's wonderful. Every time we do a Hondo episode, we talk about how that is. I mean, I think in the recent one, when they team up in, in Revival, that's the one impression that I would want to work on the most is trying to do the Hondo because he's the best. And, and he, every line he says is gold, right? Uh, yeah, like him him, and, him, Cat Bane, and Ahsoka and Rex are probably like my four characters that came out of Clone Wars that I'm just like still like really love to this day like i like i love ventress and and her arc and everything but i cad bane was my favorite bounty hunter and it still is my favorite bounty hunter because the first time i saw cad bane well for one i think boba fett's incredibly overrated um and i've (laughs) never liked boba fett like i think he didn't tell daniel logan this did you no uh (laughs) (laughs) so like when i saw cad bane for the first time that's when i was like this is what boba fett should be and actually, Dave Filoni is on record saying, we made Cad Bane to be what Boba Fett should have been in the movie. <laughs> now, now the Mandalorian is what Boba Fett should have been. But like, if you want to know what Hope and I go to bed at night praying to the universe is going to happen is that is that Cad Bane shows up in season two of The Mandalorian. That would be that would be He's my happy place right dead. there. Because there's an unwritten story of Clone Wars where it's Boba and Cad and... Um, it never got written, so it's not canon. But supposedly, you can find like the unfinished animation on YouTube of like Bo- of Boba shooting Cad. But it, even in then, it's never confirmed whether or not Cad is dead. So like he's technically not dead in canon, and I'm gonna live by this until I'm told otherwise. <laughs> because Cad Boo is my boo, and I love Cad Boo. <laughs> he's my babe, and I love him. I I love writing him in fan fiction. I love Cad Bane. My buddy Misty just does amazing bounty hunter artwork of Hondo and and Cad. And so I'm always just like, Misty, can you draw more Hondo and Cad? And she's just like, yes. And she'll be like, here you go. So. <laughs> well, another th- character I want to ask you about, and this is a much more polarizing character, at least for Robbie and myself. This is Arrow the Hut. And Robbie wasn't a fan of Zero the Hut. I thought he was super fun. Where do you two come down on Zero the Hut? fun i think chris likes them more than i do um yeah but i i think they're just sometimes like especially when it comes to the animated shows you always have to remember the target audience and so not every character is going to be appealing to us as adults and so a character like zero is definitely for a slightly and like stinky too stinky in the movies um he's he's made for a much younger audience and sometimes you just have to sit back and say, let's just have fun. Well, so what no, you're saying no, about I'm Chris gonna, and I I'm here gonna, is, I'm gonna dis- so you go, Chris. Oh, I, the thing about, the, you see, I think Zero the Hut kind of appealed to me 
being older, I instantly went, what the hell? They have, at first blush, it's like, this is like a gay stereotype hut, which in itself is kind of bizarre and funny. But then as soon as he starts really talking, I'm like, oh, God, they're doing a Truman Capote impression. Right. Which, you know, I mean, the only reason I know about Truman Capote is when I was a kid, I read Truman Capote books because I heard Robin Williams do a Truman Capote impression on a comedy album and and was like, this is funny, but I don't know why. And. And then I found right. out he was an author and stuff and saw, you know, eventually would see interviews with him and say, oh, OK, that's where it came from. But I instantly was like, oh, this is like some weird like it's a combination of a down south 1800s gay stereotype dandy and Truman Capote. What a bizarre thing to pick, especially since huts were just sort of like before that. And you, you've got this guy speaking English and. And, he, and stuff, and, and then I, I thought to myself, too. it makes kind of sense. He's like a little bit of the black sheep of the family, and all the huts get to sort of be themselves because they're rich and powerful. So, and, it, and he's it, also the Coruscanti hut. Like he's the only hut that doesn't live on Nalhata or lives on hut space. Like he right. lives on Coruscant. Like he's so an he's urban like, hut. Yeah, so he's like the city boy. So uh, I find that really interesting because it's a different kind of hut that's like not in their wheelhouse, but it's kind of like an extension of their power still. I'm an expert on huts. I have cousins who are huts. <laughs> Literally, I do. I have cousins who are huts, and I fought in and I fought in the literal Clone Wars back about almost 20 years ago. There are people with kids now that I could put their kid on my knee and go like, "I fought with your father in the Clone Wars," you know. <laughs> but that's another story. That's another story for another day. That's what a the long hell are you story. talking about? <laughs> yeah, that, I have a story. If you go to Two True Freaks, there's a section called Storytelling with our Storytelling Podcast. And I tell this, this story of, it's called Why I'm Not Your Friend on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole story of the Clone Wars is in there. So we'll find it there somewhere in amongst the other 4,500 other podcasts on Two True Freaks. Yes. Somewhere in <laughs> yes. there. Yes, we're, we're climbing on 5,000. We are as, as of today, we are up to 4,652 podcasts. Yeah, that's immense. Unique individual podcasts. A small sliver of which I've actually listened to. <laughs> well, here's another thing I want to ask you guys about. Robbie and I have talked, especially in recent episodes, we've just kind of noticed that it seems like maybe two out of three episodes, someone is getting electrocuted. Sometimes multiple people are getting electrocuted in a given episode. So what does this say about Dave Filoni and or George Lucas? It doesn't say anything about them. The last episode of Resistance I watched had electrocution in it of more than one person. <laughs> so, so much. yeah, it's definitely a theme. It's a way, I think, in a cartoon to apply violence without somebody getting a black eye and blood getting spilled. So I think it's a shorthand. For torture, even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, you know, I mean... You know, I they definitely don't want to go with the the floating droid with the syringe for <laughs> Rebels right. and Clone Wars, but uh, yeah, and it also has visual parallels to Palpatine's Force Lightning. Is just just sort of blue electricity. Just sort of is a good shorthand for evils. Evils hap evil evil and pain are happening. I never thought of it in a pragmatic point of view. You know, like like what you're saying. It just 
when you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't actually come to that conclusion myself. That's that's uh, they're really good, right, Robbie? You know, you see why I listen to them, Robbie. It's, they're really it's good. Beca- it's because of different backgrounds, right? Right. My background's in film school, so I look like I the, all these people with the Mandalorian. I have all these friends who are just like, you know, this is great, but you'd think they could give us an hour long show. You know, yeah, they're like they're spending ten million dollars on an episode, blah blah blah. And I'm like, okay, well, let's take a look at the last three Disney movies and their budget and average it, and take the minutes and average it and find, oh, it comes out to three million dollars a minute. Yeah, to see full movie Star Wars on screen happening. So basically, that if they wanted to do like something that looks like Star Wars, they could do about three and a half minutes of an episode for Mandalorian with $10 million. So why not do a half hour episode where you can make it look about prequel level CGI and, but it's way higher than your normal TV show budget. So, you know, a half hour is pragmatically, if you want to get quality Mandalorian, if you had to pull it out to an hour, you'd have to have more like filler scenes of people talking and like more scenes with less that just happened in front of a green screen or something like that. So yeah, pragmatism (laughs) is one of the biggest influences (laughs) on how a film comes out, you know, and even the biggest, I mean, even the, the, the Phantom Menace, when he returned to star Wars, they were, you know, they were watching the money. They were watching the budgets. They're like, can't we do this with Q-tips instead of CGI? And like, <laughs> yeah, that's like 10 times cheaper. Let's do that. You know, And it ends up looking awesome. You're always going to run up against it, no matter who you are as a filmmaker. At the end of the day, you also have to remember how much of this, like this is a show for younger audiences. We would often say like, if you just even put like a little bit of blood into any of these clones dying scenes, it makes it rated R. Like this show really rides that line of like PG, PG 13. There's a surprising number of decapitations. And and bisections, like in in the Citadel arc, there's a clone that gets bisected by a door. But you don't see it. It's just heavily insinuated. Yeah. So, so much of it is just to help with that. Like blue lightning and electricity registers pain the same way as if they had just like taken a knife and like cut them open and blood splurting everywhere. But it's a kid's show. Sure. So there's only like so many things like you, you have to keep in mind, like with the target audience as well, that they get away with. I'm not sure the adults would be into having blood in, in Star right. Wars. It's just oh, not. I wouldn't. I'm know, a big old wuss. Uh, I, I, not, I get yeah. so squeamish very easily. Well, it's like the when Jedi Fallen Order was, you know, about to come out, people were still getting ar- angry at the fact that, well, why aren't limbs flying off when the and it's like, okay, number one, that's hard to animate, and number two, do you really want every single model they have to have all of this time put into what they look like when they're, you know what I mean? And it's when you start thinking about it pragmatically, it makes a lot of sense. It would also but, take away from the story because so much of the budget would go into like making these ragdoll mechanics for exactly. them to fly. Exactly. So yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And then have parents object to it when it comes <laughs> out and put it up on a shelf behind those. You know, that's the last thing you want to do with a Star Wars game. Right. You know, you want it in as many hands as possible. I mean, if you actually look at the, like, I watched this video of, like, the science of an actual lightsaber, if it stabbed a human, like, it would boil the insides and make make it, like, immediately on impact, like, just burst out of all orifices if you get stabbed with a with a lightsaber. And no one wants to watch that. <laughs> it doesn't look cool. Wow, that to would see, be... see, like, your intestines come out of, like, every orifice. 
Yeah, there'd be sizzling and boiling, <laughs> boiling and steam. It would family be family-friendly podcast, guys. I was told it would just cauterize them, and they would be it would be nice and clean. No, I haven't seen that's this video. Not how it works? It would boil on impact because <laughs> it's so that's hot. Crazy to think about. Yeah, there's videos on YouTube. Go find them. But hey, a force heel can just. I'm sorry. <laughs> force healing. <laughs> as long as Baby Yoda's around, they'll be fine, right? Before we go, let's go back to uh, something we talked a little bit about earlier, which is uh, other fandoms that the two of you are interested in. Chris, you mentioned Star Trek was big for you, and I hope you mentioned Sherlock Holmes, and I've heard you mention 221Bcon, and my wife is actually a big Sherlock Holmes fan, so there's another link across the oceans, but what are the other fandoms that you two love, and uh, how do you engage with them? I actually, I don't get to talk about my other favorite fandom much on the show, just because it doesn't come up very often, but I love Pokemon. Like, since I was 10 years old, like, I grew up loving Pokemon, and it's probably the fan, it's the fandom I've loved longer than Star Wars, and it's the fandom I love almost as much as Star Wars, but there's just not really good opportunities when talking Star Wars for me to talk about Pokemon. And it's just, it's it's a fandom that I love. I actually have just as many, like, Pokemon plushies and figures and stuff as I do Star Wars figures. <laughs> and it's just something I, I've loved since I was 10 years old that I grew up with and went through a very similar journey of, like, it's not cool to like Pokemon. And now that I'm an adult, I'm just like, I love Pokemon, deal with it. <laughs> That's the spirit. It's kind of fun because, like, one of my best friends likes Star Wars and my other best friend loves Pokemon. So, like, they both just balance, like, that love of it. But the other ones don't like the other one, like, because Billy is not a big Star Wars person and Megan doesn't know anything about Pokemon. So, like, I just am perfectly balanced between my two best friends and my two favorite fandoms. So, and for me, I, I also, I love animation as a whole. I've always loved animation. I keep wanting to, like, make Chris do a podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. Because I, I actually watch more animation than I watch normal people shows. Like, I'm sure Breaking Bad's great, but I've watched Avatar The Last Airbender like 12 times. <laughs> and I just, I, I love animation. I love Avatar. My current drug is She-Ra, the most recent run of She-Ra by Noelle Stevenson's. Oh my god, I need to know what happens. I was just telling this to Kate last night. I was like, Kate, I need to know what happens to Entrapta and Hordak because they were lab partners. And nobody else knows what that means except for like me and my friends. I'm just like, they're lab partners! <laughs> but like, I, I actually, like one of the reasons why I wanted to do a Clone Wars podcast to begin with is because there's been this revolution in animation and Clone Wars was one of like the founders of that. It really started like with Avatar The Last Airbender, which was also a Dave Filoni show. That's where he really got his start. Right. Actually, a lot of the animators of Clone Wars got their start on Avatar. And that was really like the beginning like change of it. Because before that, like shows were just very like episodic and stuff. But Avatar was really a game changing show that showed that animation could be something more. And it could be in depth and it could have these great characters. And it, it also would like give children these stories that was like just so much more and it wasn't just like the episode of the week and like I, I grew up watching anime so like when we were talking when I think it was Chris was talking about like when he saw Star Wars it actually changed everything for me that was Sailor Moon I'd never seen storytelling like Sailor Moon before because right. it was always so episodic with American television and so Sailor Moon was a huge change for me and then we got Pokemon and then Digimon like Digimon was like Pokemon with plot <laughs> 
And I, so I grew up watching this animation. And so I'm like, those, that's actually where a lot of my other fandoms are. Like, I love Gravity Falls. I love Steven Universe. I've been work, slowly piddling on a article writing about the time change and currently in Steven Universe future. And there's just this revolution that Clone Wars and now Rebels and now Resistance came out of this change in animation ever since Avatar The Last Airbender. And shows are just like, are so much more progressive than a lot of adult shows, and they're much more satisfying. Like, I, I look at shows like... it's still, I'm still salty to this day. Um, does any, Do you guys know anything about Steven Universe? Very little. I know that a lot of people love it. I haven't got to it yet. So the very base premise is that Steven is half human, half gem, and the gem are these aliens, and he's being raised by three gay gem moms and his dad. And, okay. like, that's the premise, and he has to save the world. Okay. Um, but it's much more complicated than that. And, like, what they're doing just, like, with queer topics, mental health, and in, in all these shows, like, Noelle Stevenson has flat out said in She-Ra, assume everyone's gay until, to- until you're told otherwise. <laughs> and, like, you don't see that in adult shows. And, right. like, they have entire episodes of Steven Universe where it's like, this is how you deal with anxiety as a child. And it's mind-blowing that they're not doing this in adult shows where they're just like, oh, it's a gay character. Let's kill them and fridge our gays. And, like, it's so frustrating that, like, we're seeing these in, to bring it back to animation, like, we're seeing these in animation, but we're not seeing it on the movie screens of Star Wars. Like, we have queer characters in Resistance, which is huge. We're seeing, like, these mental health topics in animation, which is huge, but we're not getting to see that except for Jen. Jen has a very complete mental health journey from beginning to end in Rogue One, and it's beautiful. So, like, really, like, animation is where so many of my other fandoms are because I grew up watching, like, Sailor Moon and Cardcaptor Sakura, which are these, like, formative shows that I still love to this day that I still am just, like, diving into now. Like, I I am just holding off watching the last three episodes of My Little Pony because I'm not ready for it to end. <laughs> but, like, that show just surprised me about, like, how deep it is. And it's also not for everybody. But uh, it's, sure. not, it's definitely not everybody's cup of tea. But, like, when you have episodes where you have Rarity, a pony, dealing with harassment from men, like, I'm not seeing this in other media. And so I just, I love animation, which is pretty for, much where all my other fandoms are. And I, I also like Zelda, too. I, for the I, first time in America, <laughs> the, the, outside of educational TV, people are writing for animation when when i was a kid the the cartoons that i grew up with were were nobody took time there was no effort in the writing of them it was too it was written down to kids and stuff and for the first time you know now that cartoon network is is out the the death of saturday morning cartoons was a great thing because when i go to a friend's house i don't even have cable tv here i just select what i want to watch through the internet but when I go to somebody's house who has kids and they have cable TV and the kids are watching Cartoon Network, the level of writing as an adult looking at it, they put all the layers in there for adults and have complicated, nuanced things happening while still making it incredibly palatable for kids. More palatable than than like She-Ra when we were growing up, which was to right. sell toys, basically. It was the same story every week. To, and to sell toys and, and written on such a simple, basic level. it's And now you have, like, she where it's like, oh, Glimmer's mom died, and now she's queen, so she's having to deal with grieving her dead mother while trying to leave a re- revolution. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. It's... <laughs> and it's not. It's different. And, like, I always think of, like, what Alex Hirsch said. Like, Alex Hirsch is the creator of Gravity Falls, which is a show I keep trying to get Chris to watch because it's, one, amazing, but it also has to deal with conspiracy theories, which is, like, Chris's jam. And <laughs> he, Alex Hirsch said that there was this time of animation where it was just like, we'll just write anything for kids and kids would like anything. And he said, no, like we wrote jokes in the show for ourselves first and foremost as adults. And from there, we wanted to make sure that we wrote something quality for children because children are like homeless people. Like, yeah, you can give them anything to eat, but they would rather eat something good. <laughs> and they'll poop on the ground every once in a while. <laughs> Hot, that's Chris. Um, but like, yeah, it's just like you want they want to create things now that are good for children, not just something because kids will watch anything, but they you yeah. should at least be giving them something good. And yeah, so no. like, I, I I love animation. That's that's where pretty much all my other fandoms lie. Like I've been waiting to watch the Dragon Prince. I've heard really good things about the Dragon Prince. I love reading and watching and studying animation, which is part of the reason why I wanted to do this is because Clone Wars was in that very beginning revolutionizing. I always hear that Clone Wars had to walk so rebels could run. And that's why Clone Wars is so much more experimental than when you get to rebels, which is much more serial because if you look at the first half of Clone Wars, it's very episodic. It's very adventure of the week. And then the second half you get to Clone Wars you have these arcs that are clearly like pushing the characters in these directions. And it had to be experimental because then when you get to Rebels, they figure their stuff out. They're not experimenting anymore. They know what works, what doesn't work, and they just go and they tell a story in Rebels. And it works. But it was because Clone Wars was in this like Avatar, the the Lost Airbender time period of experimental animation that hadn't really been done before. And it had Dave Filoni at the helm. And so had Dave Filoni in both. They, I mean, they, 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 I mean, and Dave Filoni brought along, you know, like George Kirstick, who we met was from Avatar. So, if you're a fan of like Clone Wars, like this would be my watch list: Avatar: The Last Airbender, followed by Korra, but Korra's a little bit rougher um, for the first couple seasons. It takes a while for Korra to find its stride. Avatar: The Last Airbender, and then Gravity Falls, Steven Universe. And the current run of Shira, like those are really good, solid shows that really show the progression of animation. Pretty much in that order, I would take them in that order too. So, hmm. those are some of my other fandoms. But like, as we were talking, I was looking at Entrapta and Hordak fan art. So, because <laughs> I love, <laughs> I love Shira right now, and I'm not okay with they were lab partners. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we wrap up, one thing that I should have asked earlier was how you came up with the name J-Guys and Jedi, and I should, hopefully I haven't called it J-Guys and Jedi's anywhere during this podcast, but if I have, uh, apologies, because I have thought of it that way for a long time, and I only recently realized, wait, it's J-Guys and Jedi. I've done it. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but how did you come up with the name? Whose idea was it? I think Sorry, that was you, you, Hope, right? I think you came up with the name, right? I think we were shooting around a bunch of different names. Um, I knew I wanted Rex to be a part of it, and he has the J-Guys on his helmet. Those little wing things, like, those are the J-Guys. Um, and right. it's a Mandalorian symbol of honor. So I, I knew I wanted it to be something with Rex, which then oh, it Oh, that's of- right. Oh, my God. We got something Mandalorian in our title. Yes. I know, oh, right? Good. We did that it. That works out great. <laughs> yeah, when we go eventually get to the Mandalorian. But I, th- I think we were just kicking around a bunch of different names, and that one just kind of stuck because it was like we got to talk about clones and Jedi, so it kind it's of like got the letter J twice in it. 
How often yeah. can you get a title that makes sense that has two J's in it, too? <laughs> right. And and so much of it was like Googling other people's podcasts. They're like, is this a name? Okay, yeah, that's someone else's name. We can't use that one. Like, you know, we can't go yeah. and use like Sky Talkers <laughs> because Sky Talkers are already a thing. Actually, I don't think Sky Talkers was around when we started. When, no, when Hope does her true adult Clone Wars podcast, it'll be called Triple Rex. <laughs> <laughs> Triple Rex rated. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that because when I came up with Send in the Clones, you know, as basically a dumb pun on Send in the Clowns, I thought I was a genius. And then I Googled it to see if anyone else had used it. And luckily, no other podcasts had used it. But there are maybe half a dozen TV episodes. There's a band. I thought, oh, I guess, you know, <laughs> I guess either, either great minds think alike or I'm just predictable. But before we wrap up here, I think we don't need to tell the troops where to find us, Robbie. They already know where to find us. But Chris and Hope, how can the troops find you out there on the Internet or on social media? You can find us on our soon-to-be-revamped website. <laughs> are slowly we, we will soon have a revamp on our website but as it stands right now you can go to two truefreaks.com and uh that's where we'll have a list of all our podcasts everything new that comes up that comes there you can listen to them there you can uh grab the rss feed if you have some sort of podcatcher thing however that works you can get us on itunes and on social media we are on facebook Twice, we've got the Two True Freaks podcast, which basically we just sort of use to post up our podcast. And then we've got the Cantina, which is more of a of a chat room or, you know, hang out and talk and bring up just random subjects place. We are also on Twitter, which is run by the insane Gene Gene, the podcasting machine. <laughs> and uh, the man who listens to every Two True Freaks podcast. And so you can find us there at Two True Freaks. And uh, that's about it for my end. What about you, Hope? You can also find us at J Guys and Jedi on Twitter. I'm the one that runs our Twitter account because Chris doesn't do the Twitters. <laughs> I do the Twitters. I'm also at Hope Molinax on Twitter. I have a website called geekygirlexperience.com um, where I write reviews and stuff. And I also write fanfiction over on Archive of Our Own or AO3 for short under the name Chaos Lydia. And I have a Thrawn fanfiction that's longer than Fellowship of the Rings, by word count, um, <laughs> that I'm still working on. And it is a romance fanfiction, which has been known to break people watch Clone Wars and Rebels. Because <laughs> that's how my friend Megan got finally 10... I, I spent 10 years trying to get Megan to watch Clone Wars. And finally I was like, look, man, I just, I, I'm looking for a beta reader because I'm doing this like really complex like romance fan fiction with Ron. Like, do you mind just reading this even though you don't know what's going to go on? I'm pretty much looking for you to like catch like spelling and grammar. And she was like, okay. And she comes back, she's like, Hope, this is amazing. Like, who is this Ron person? Like, where can I read more of this? <laughs> and so I was like, here, watch Rebels and actually watch Clone Wars and now watch Rebels. And that's how I got her into it. Oh, and I also have an Agent Cow story called The Lucky Lucky over there where Agent Callus, who's a character in Rebels, has to investigate a boy band because one of them is a rebel spy. So think like NSYNC or Backstreet Boys where one of them is a rebel spy. That is awesome. And you're obviously both super busy with a million projects. I want to thank you both for taking the time to come and ride with us on the dropship today. So until next time, this is your old buddy Bucho alongside your trusty pal Robbie and J-Guys and Jedis, Hope and Chris. And we are out. Bye. Bye. That was awesome.
Remember, you can support Sending the Clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or any other podcast platform, and Ucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Ucho and Robbie at gmail.com. May the force be with you.